It began over 5,000 years ago when civilization was young. Every major culture, Egypt, Greece, Rome, India, Japan, studied it, practiced it, perfected it to a fine art. They admired its Olympian demands, strength, speed, agility, skill, grace, and courage. They did it to honor their gods, they did it to honor their kings, they did it to train their soldiers, they did it to compete, and they did it for fun. It has come down through the ages to us today. It is Coliseum Corner, the wrestling podcast where each and every Coliseum home video is reviewed. From the personalities and specialties to the best of the WWF and even the Collector Series. If you're looking for reviews of WrestleMania, Survivor Series, Royal Rumbles, and SummerSlams, then look somewhere else because this is a trip down memory lane of your favorite videos. We review the good, the bad, and even sometimes the awful. Join Bill as he takes us down a memory lane adventure the likes of which no podcast has ever gone before. So sit back, relax, and listen to this fantastic podcast that we call Coliseum Corner. And here is Bill to start the show right now. Hello everyone, I'm Bill Yankovey and welcome to Coliseum Corner, the podcast where I take a look at all of the Coliseum videos. Today going to be taking a look at the best of the WWF Volume 3, and believe me when I tell you this, folks, this one's a dandy. Um, well, why, why, why am I, you know, wasting time? Let's get right into this. The best of the WWF Volume 3. The videotape is hosted by Vince McMahon, and Vince talks about how we have been, we the, the viewers, the consumers of the Coliseum videotapes, have been, you know, wanting, you know, certain stuff, ask questions, left and right. Well, at the end of the videotape, they will give us the address, who to write to, for possible questions, future suggestions, of future videotapes. Who knows? Vince McMahon, and this is actually somewhat surprising, goes down through the entire lineup. That's right, folks. We get the entire lineup of the videotape right at the very beginning. So I'm going to do the same thing that he did. We have Jimmy Snuka and Roddy Piper in a Fijian strap match. We have Cowboy Bob Orton against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. We have two matches with the British Bulldogs, one against Rene Goulet and Johnny Rods, the other against the Hart Foundation. We get to see from the TNT show George the Animal Steel going to psychotherapy and then he in a six-man tag match with Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo against Adrian Adonis, Big John Studd, and Bobby Heenan. We get the lead-up and the build-up to the return of Bruno Sammartino to the ring, including highlights from WrestleMania from the early 1970s and his return match to the Garden. Plus, we'll get to see King Kong Bundy in action. And for the finale, an 18-man over-the-top rope battle royal with a $30,000 prize to the winner. 
Now, a little later on, I will go through the list of everyone that is involved in this battle royal. And believe me, folks, when I tell you, this is a who's who of legends, Hall of Famers. Basically, anybody that is anybody in the history of wrestling is in this battle royal. So, let's get to it. The first match, like I mentioned, is Superfly Jimmy Snuka against Roddy Roddy Piper in a Fijian strap match. Basically, what I could gather leading up to the match was, from the last Coliseum corner, Roddy Roddy Piper's Greatest Hits, is the match with Snuka and Piper in St. Louis, where Luthez was the guest referee, and Piper using the, the belt to beat up on Snuka, which is pretty much what led to this match. So Jesse Ventura does commentary for this match on his own, and there's really not much as far as anything that popped out for commentary purposes. So I'm just going to talk about some of the things here in this match. Early on, um, well, actually right in the beginning, Jimmy Snuka, you know, is trying to let Piper put the strap on him on his wrist. Piper is very reluctant to do it, but eventually he does. And, you know, they're about ready to do some fighting. And Snuka whips Piper in the leg two times with the leather strap. And then as the two men are really about to go at it, it's almost like a test of strength, but with the leather strap. And eventually Snuka takes control on this contest. Now, for the most part, Snuka is in complete control of this match because every time Piper gets out of the ring he gets pulled back in the ring every you know and then he gets pulled or he goes out again he tries to grab something to stay outside but Snuka just won't let him um there is one point where Piper does manage to get an advantage on Snuka raking him in the eyes and eventually taking control but Snuka does manage to come back and he finishes Piper with the superfly a crossbody on the Piper to get the three count to win the match. After the match, Piper beats up on Snuka, and Piper is free from the strap, so he goes right after Jimmy Snuka and is just beating away on him. And he, you know, there's like three referees that get involved, try to block him, and, he, you know, Piper's trying to do everything he can to get back at Snuka, but it doesn't happen. What's interesting to note about this is the time at this point. This strap match comes eight months after Piper and Valentine had the dog collar match at the original Starcade. So while this one, not as violent as the dog collar match, still a brutal, brutal match. The next match is a really, really good match. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat against Cowboy Bob Orton you get to see really two of the best technical wrestlers in this point in time going at each other in a one-on-one -on -one contest. Now, unfortunately, in this uh, tape, parts of the match do get clipped. However, I will tell you guys now, in a later video, we will get most or all of this match shown in its entirety, or as close as possible. So... We get some really great stuff. Orton sells like a million dollars. Steamboat is a is great in this match. 
Um, Orton tries a suplex from the apron onto the floor, which gets blocked. Um, Orton, you know, takes a soda and throws it into the face of Steamboat, which the referee could have disqualified him for, but did not. And we continued the match. Steamboat does some acrobatics. He skins the cat. He goes for his finishing move, but could only get a two count. And in the end of the match, and this, like I said, this is a really, really good match. I don't think my words could, you know, I don't think my words could do justice. You'd have to go out of your way to see this match. So the end of the match, Steamboat goes for a a splash onto Orton, but Orton brings his knees up. So as the referee is checking on Steamboat, Orton starts fixing his cast on his forearm. So he goes to the top rope, he jumps, hits Steamboat on on the head with the forearm, with the cast, and the referee catches it, and he calls for the bell, and he awards the match to Ricky Steamboat. Now what's funny about this is how, because we have Gorilla Monsoon and Mean Gene Oakland on commentary for this match. Mean Gene is like, finally! Finally, a referee who stands up and has enough guts to do what's right. All he did was just disqualify him for using a you know a cast. But go out of your way, folks. This is a really good match, worth checking out. Now we're going to take a look at the British Bulldogs, Davy Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid in tag team action. The first match that we're going to get is against Rene Goulet and Johnny Rods, and I'll tell you this. You know, for I want to say this is the debut tag match for the British Bulldogs. It's not necessarily both their debuts. Dynamite wrestled a couple times in the early '80s as a singles competitor, but um, here this is a really good match. It's a good match of the youth and the experience in this. And what's really good to see about this match is how. The Bulldogs are in trouble during the match. Bulldogs are in trouble. They, you know, it's not like they, you know, just have complete control of the entire contest. Goulet and Rod show their veteran, you know, their veteran work, workmanship in the ring. And they take it to the Bulldogs for a little bit. But eventually the Bulldogs manage to get themselves together. Davy Boy hits a running power slam on the Johnny Rods. Rene Goulet tries to make a save. Uh, Dynamite Kid goes to the top rope, hits the jumping headbutt on the rods to get the three count and the victory, earning a win. Now, our other tag team match is with the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Nyhart. And this might be the earliest recording that we have of the Bulldogs against the Hart Foundation. Unfortunately, this match is really clipped due to time, although this tape is over an hour and a half long, so I don't really know why you'd want to clip this one. Um, Both teams look good in this match. They both look good, and each, at one point, it looks like they're going to get the victory, but, you know, they just can't do it. And as they keep going, they run out of time. We get the very rare curfew time. Yes, they had a curfew back then, folks. It went to the draw. Now, I want to mention, if you don't have this videotape, on the back of the videotape, the Bulldogs are advertised to have three matches. We got two, Goulet and Rods and the Hard Foundation. 
the one that does not appear on the tape and for some reason is on this, you know, on the back, is a match against Matt Bourne and A.J. Pertuzzi. Hmm. I wonder how Bourne and Pertuzzi felt knowing that they did not make the videotape. At least they made the back cover of the tape, but they didn't make the tape. Now we go to a segment that viewers have requested to be on Coliseum Video. George the Animal Steals going to psychotherapy. So Captain Lou Albano recently got George the Animal Steel under his stable. And he's going to take him to psychotherapy to see the world famous Dr. Zygmunt Ziff. And what Zygmunt Ziff, Ziff is trying to do, basically... Is he's trying to bring George the Animal Steel out of this animal-like behavior and to make him into a person. So he has the very famous Vachtik. The Vach. Vach the Vach. Vach the Vach. So what he plans to do is he's going to hypnotize George Steele and he's going to have him talk to him. Okay. So. Animal is a little hesitant at first, but then Dr. Ziff is like, No, 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 George, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. Watch the watch. Watch the watch. So he gets him hypnotized. So he asks George to go back to his earliest childhood memory. And George is like, Football! Play football! So he's talking about how he played football as a kid. Catch ball! You know, and he's showing him his tongue. And he's like... And I love the doc's reaction. He's like, oh, a green tongue. What is this? So George continues. And basically he's saying, you know, his tongue got swollen up. And he's like, class, teacher, say, George, sit down, dummy. And he's like, oh, no, the dummy, no, George, you're not the dummy. So then, you know, we go into him being a professional wrestler. Me, wrestle, famous wrestler, Bruno. And Doc's like, you wanted to be a good guy. Yeah, do good, but bad, do bad. And, you know, the whole booing him. And like, hey, hey, hey. And the doctor's trying to get him under control. And it's really good part. This first part is really good. So, George Steele continues his therapy. Captain Lou decides, okay, he needs more. So, now we're going to do psychotherapy. So, we're going we're gonna to put this helmet on George Steele. And we're going we're gonna to raise the electricity a little bit. Maybe try to get him to, you know, say something, do something. So we attempted, and he turns it up, you know, a little low to start. And Dr. Ziff is like, animal, 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 home. And it's really good, you know, because it's, it's starting to work. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to turn it up a little bit more. And... You know, he's like, say something, George, say something. And George is like, oh, no, brown cow. And, you know, they're getting very excited. So then Dr. Ziff is like, I'm going to turn it up one more. I'm going to do it on my level. And, well, that was a mistake because George 
he starts getting out of control and he runs out of there. And Captain Lou Albano basically threatens to sue Dr. Sigmund Ziff for what he did. He ruined this man. He ruined George the Animal Steel. Well, we'll have to see because we're going to see George Steele now in a six-man tag team match where he teams up with Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo against the team of Adrian Adonis, Big John Studd, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes, Bobby Heenan in the ring. And George wants to start this match with Bobby Heenan, but of course, Bobby Heenan wants absolutely nothing to do with George Steele. So... You know, George reluctantly tags out the Barry Windham. And really, this match, for a good length of time, starts to become the Barry Windham show. Because Barry Windham, you get to see how good he is. Because he's in there with Big John Studd. And my God, Barry Windham can go with Big John Studd. Uh, there's three, four times in a matter of seconds where Windham attempts to body slam Big John Studd to get the $15,000. Every time, you know, he just can't do it. Stud finds a way to block the body slam. And a few times we get a brawl where George gets involved. And Mike Rotundo, poor, poor Mike Rotundo. He is outside of the ring for the duration of this match. Oh, my Lord. I feel bad for Rotundo. So... We go a little bit further along. Uh, eventually, Mike Rotundo does get in the ring. He wrestles Adonis, and Adonis takes control of Mike Rotundo, and John Studd does as well. And it gets to the point where all heck breaks loose. Everybody gets out there. Everyone's fighting. And George Steele eventually gets knocked out. He goes over the top and over to the arena floor. Well, George manages to get up. And he grabs, a, he grabs a chair, a steel red chair. So he rolls in the ring. Heenan's team smartly gets out of the ring. They're out. The referee is trying to talk to George, trying to put some sense in him. Be like, put the chair down. You don't need it. And George Steele hits the referee. It looked like it was like on the shoulder. Like it was like the back or the shoulder into the shoulder blade, knocks this referee out, and that calls for the bell and the disqualification. Adonis, Stud, and Heenan get the win. And, and I liked how Gorilla and Mean Gene, because we get a lot of Gorilla and Mean Gene in this videotape, they're like, oh, I hope George Steele doesn't get banned for life from the garden. It would be absolutely terrible if that ever happened. Uh... Judging by future references, I don't think George Steele got banned from Madison Square Garden. Safe bet. Alright, now we get into this big segment. The return of Bruno San Martino into the ring. So we start with a clip from the early to mid-1970s of Bruno San Martino in a steel cage match with Ivan Koloff. Of course, a few years prior to this match, it was Ivan Koloff who famously defeated San Martino in Madison Square Garden to become the third WWF heavyweight champion. Very famous story. I'm going to save you guys some time today about that. Maybe I'll talk about it um, when I do the Bruno San Martino videotape. So, now we go to WrestleMania, the biggest wrestling spectacle of all time. And Bruno's son, 
David, he's got a match at WrestleMania against Brutus Beefcake. So, me and Gene, we get some words from David and Bruno San Martino, and basically Bruno says, Johnny Valiant, if you get involved in this, I'm going to make sure that you're going to get hit and you're going to get knocked out. So then we get Valiant and Beefcake over, and Valiant's like, oh, I mean, anyone understand what he said? And, you know, it sounded like he was speaking gibberish. And, you know, Minji tries to get a word from Beefcake, but Beefcake is just very bizarre about it. So we get the last few minutes of this match, and David almost pins Brutus Beefcake, but Beefcake manages to throw David out of the ring, and he ends up on the side where Johnny Valiant is. So Valiant picks up David San Martino, gives him a body slam onto the hard floor. Well, Bruno runs all the way around the ring to get the Johnny Valiant, and we have a fight going on with Valiant and San Martino. Bruno, I should say, as it goes into the ring, and Beefcake tries to get involved, but Bruno, you know, he's fighting them off two against one, and then eventually David comes in, and we got all four competitors getting involved, and this match ends in a no contest. Personally, because I've watched WrestleMania many times, I don't think this is that bad of a match compared to what other people may say. This wasn't that bad of a match. I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm not saying it's the best match or the second best match, but it's definitely far from the worst match. So now we go, nearly two months later, and we get the return of Bruno San Martino in the ring. Bruno and David coming out together, and look who's leading them out of the ring, Bruno's old manager, Arnold Scullin. So we get the San Martinos against Brutus Beefcake and Johnny Valiant in this tag team match. And look at this, Bruno starts the match. Bruno starts this match with Johnny Valiant. And Bruno, Bruno looks a little good here. He looks like he didn't lose a step from the five years that he was away from in-ring competition. And for a while, Bruno and David have complete control of this match. And, you know, they're doing arm locks, hammer locks. You know, they're stretching out the legs. They're doing, you know, some of the San Martino trademark wrestling that Bruno was very well known for. But eventually, Beefcake and Valiant do manage to come back and they take advantage of the younger San Martino, David. Um, but the ending of the match is very weird because you'd think, okay, well, Bruno, it's his first match in five years. He's got to be in the deciding fall. I, you would think he would be in the deciding fall, but no, he's not. Because David manages a quick roll-up onto Johnny Valiant, and the San Martinos win the tag team match. It's a it's an entertaining match. Um, it's a good match. It's worth checking out. It's fun to see, you know, Bruno in 85. And what's great is, like, how Lord Alfred Hayes even has the, the thought, just the thought, in 1985... That Bruno San Martino could win the World Wrestling Federation title. Oh my goodness. <laughs> now we're going to go to TNT and we're going to take a look at King Kong Bundy. Now he is with his manager, the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And, well, King Kong Bundy, he's got a bit of a problem. 
See, folks, his problem is, whenever he goes into airports, he's easily recognized. The people bother him, they want their autograph, and, you know, Bundy, he just doesn't want to deal with those guys. They don't. He doesn't want to deal with those losers. So, Vince McMahon had an idea, and Lord Alfred Hayes even tried it earlier in the show. Why not try out some wigs? You know, try wigs. Maybe that'll work. So Vince McMahon, he's got a box of wigs. We can't really see the box, but you can pretty much tell he has a box of wigs. So he takes the first wig. It is a gray wig. And Bundy's like, no, I don't don't want to wear it. It, It's going to make me look old. I I don't want to wear it. So McMahon pulls a second wig out. It's black. It's It's a black wig. Not too curly, sort of got straight hair, so Bundy gives it a try, it's, it's not that bad, it's not, so McMahon gets a third wig, it's brown hair, it's got a little curl, not too many curls, Bundy puts it on, and he actually looks pretty good, I'm not gonna lie, Bundy looks pretty good wearing that wig, so McMahon then pulls a fourth wig out, so we've already passed the rule of three at this point, so McMahon pulls out the fourth wig, gives it to Bundy, Bundy tries it on, and he looks good. Until Lord Alfred Hayes starts laughing. Bundy's wig does make him look a little girlish. And Bundy's very upset about Lord Alfred Hayes, and he and Jimmy Hart storm out of the ring. So now we're going to get King Kong Bundy in action here. He is going to take on Tony Gurria. I just want to say for the record real quick, you know, the the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame, it exists, it started in 1993, came back in 2004. Why is Tony Gurria not in the Hall of Fame? He's a five-time, I'm going to make my argument right here, and, and I might later for another videotape. Tony Gurria is a five-time co-holder of the World Tag Team titles with multiple partners. He stayed with the company. He became an agent for the WWE. Why is Tony Gurria not in the Hall of Fame? Doesn't make any sense. Okay, so now to the match. Bundy and Gurria. You would think this is going to be a squash. Bundy's going to, you know, just walk all over Tony Gurria. But Gurria does manage to get some offense in. And even at one point, Gurria pulls Bundy off his feet. And he works on the leg and he works on the thigh. So, Gurria does manage to get advantage of this. And then, of course, you know, we get the famous, you know, question that's always asked to Gorilla Monsoon of, you know, what was the heaviest that you weighed when you were a wrestler? And he says 440. And Gene is like, tell me, if you were 440, is this man, referring to King Kong Bundy, is this man 458 pounds? And Gorilla's like, no, he is over the 500 pound mark. You know, where, where do you go to get weight? You don't get weight on a regular scale. You got to go to, the, you know, like a, uh, you know, a weigh station or a meat, you know, meat distributor. You got to go there. You got to go somewhere to weigh yourself. So we go to the end of the match. Bundy's got uh, a rear naked chin lock on Gorilla, but Gorilla manages to get up and get... Some more offense on the Bundy. 
However, his mistake comes here because he has Bundy in the corner. He tries to send Bundy over. Bundy reverses Gurria into the corner. Bundy hits the avalanche, and then Bundy hits the splash to get the 1-2-3 count on Tony Gurria. Bundy, you know, I, I have to say, Bundy looks good in this match. And what I actually liked about it was how they made Bundy not this invincible monster because you know he's 6'6 6, 6, 6, over 450 pounds you can't really do that with a guy that size you can make him big you can make him bad but make him look a little bit human and that's exactly what they did here and I really enjoyed seeing that not the best match in the world but Bundy does look good now it is time for the grand finale of this videotape and it is the 18 man over the top rope battle royal with a prize of $30,000. And I have here, folks, the lineup. This is the lineup of competitors that are in this match. And let me tell you, folks, after you hear who's in this, you might want to go out of your way to check this one out. We have the Masked Superstar, Moondog Rex, Samu, Mil Mascaris, David Schultz, Bob Boyer, Mr. Fuji, Tiger Chung Lee, Ivan Putsky, Big John Studd, Tony Atlas, Paul Orndorff, Rocky Johnson, Adrian Adonis, Jimmy Snuka, Dick Murdoch, Hulk Hogan, and Andre the Giant. Think about it. You have Mascaris, Fuji, Putsky, Studd, Atlas, Orndorff, Johnson, Snuka, Hogan, and Andre. That's just over half of the roster in this battle royal that's already in the in the WWE Hall of Fame and you can make an argument that a couple more of these guys could be in it in the near future. So we go right away to the match and David Schultz has already been eliminated. <laughs> yep, Dr. D David Schultz has already been eliminated from this battle royal. Not even a chance to go into the full match. We just clip right to it. Schultz is eliminated. So, right away, it's just pandemonium. It's chaos. Moondog Rex gets eliminated by Hulk Hogan. And, you know, they talk about the different possibilities of what could happen. You know, it could come down to these two. It could come down to these. You know, the, the, basically the possibilities are endless. Then we go a little later on, and we get one of the... I, one of the best scenes you'll ever see in a battle royal, but you feel so bad for the guy underneath. So Andre the Giant hits a splash. As soon as he is over the person, everybody else climbs on top of Andre the Giant. So there's over a dozen people or so that are climbing over the back of Andre the Giant. But, as I said, there is somebody underneath Andre the Giant. So, you got to take Andre, who at this point is over the 470 pound mark. And then you got guys like Stud, who's over 360. You got Adonis. You got Murdoch. You got Samu, Fuji, the man. You got so many people here that somebody is under Andre the Giant, which is close to 500 pounds there. And then you add over a thousand pounds of human, you know, 
you'd think somebody is dead. Well, the poor sap that was underneath Andre the Giant was Bob Boyer. Bob Boyer, God bless his soul, I don't know how he was able to breathe after being squished like that. Um, I might. I just want to see if he's still... God bless this man. Bob Boyer is still alive. God bless you, Bob Boyer. <laughs> so Bob Boyer has to get dragged out of the ring. So he's basically out of the Battle Royal. Just because everybody else was on top of Andre the Giant and... You know, Bob Boyer probably was put on ICU. So then we get, you know, a moment where we get Murdoch and Adonis trying to eliminate Hulk Hogan. And it's really, really close. You know, Putsky's there to make a save. Then we got Andre the Giant. He's getting choked by Big John Studd over in the corner. Then, a little later on, we see Paul Orndorff getting eliminated by Rocky Johnson. Well, Orndorff didn't take good to this, so he pulls Johnson out from underneath the ring, and he sends Johnson face first into the post, and Rocky Johnson starts to bleed. Now, Orndorff is still upset. He's going after Rocky Johnson. He, you know, hurts him more before he sends him back in the ring. And this is where the magic really begins. Because Adonis goes right after him. Rocky Johnson's fired up now. He's been busted open. Orndorff, you know, humiliated him, embarrassed him. He's going. And he goes after everyone. He's punching everybody left and right. And he eventually eliminates Adonis from the Battle Royal. And then Murdoch comes over. And Murdoch and Johnson eliminate each other. And the field is starting to go down. It's slimming down. Eventually, Samu gets eliminated. Mr. Fuji gets eliminated. Um, Mil Mascaris gets eliminated. And we end up at the final four. The final four, Hulk Hogan, Big John Studd, Ivan Putsky, and Andre the Giant. Well, we got in one corner, Big John Studd trying to hang on from Ivan Putsky. And we got Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. They're fighting each other. And Vince McMahon is like, oh, here we go. Hogan and Andre. The friends, they're fighting each other. I don't know why my Vince sounded like Kermit the Frog. I, I apologize. So Stud eliminates Ivan Putsky. Hogan and Andre, they don't see the elimination. They're over on the other side. They're trying to eliminate each other. Stud pushes Andre over the top to eliminate him and pushes Hogan over the top to eliminate him. And Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan are both eliminated big john stud wins the battle royal wins the thirty thousand dollar check however before big john stud could claim the check andre wanted a piece of big john stud hogan wanted a piece of big john stud and eventually andre and hulk corner stud right before you know he manages to escape into the ring but Andre and Hulk managed to get in a few shots, and Big John Stud wins the Battle Royal, a fantastic Battle Royal, fun one to watch, and Andre win, or Big John Stud wins the $30,000. Now, after the credits have rolled, this is very important. If you have any questions 
or comments that you want to write to the people at Coliseum Video, here's the address. I got the address for you. So what you want to do, get an envelope. Put a stamp on the envelope. Put a return address on there. Write to WWF Home Video Series, 430 West 54th Street, New York, New York, 10019. Of course, I highly doubt the people at Coliseum Video are still there today. Then we get a preview of our upcoming videotapes. The best of the WWF Volume 4, which includes Big John Studd and Andre the Giant in a steel cage match. We get another Battle Royal, and WWF Chump, oops, I mean Champ, Hulk Hogan, teams up with Superfly Jimmy Snuka to take on Ace Cowboy Bob Orton and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and more. Next, an entire videotape devoted to the managers. So we're going to get managers like Captain Louis Albano, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the Grand Wizard, Mr. Fuji, Classy Freddy Blassie, and the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. And finally, they're from the backwoods. They call wrestling scuffling. They are wrestling's country boys. Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer, and Cousin Junior. So the next three tapes are the best of the WWF Volume 4, WWF Presents the Managers, and Wrestling's Country Boys. So, what did I think about the best of the WWF Volume 3? Well, I gotta say, I love this tape. It is a great tape from beginning to end. I mean, you get a great match to start off with the Fijian Strap match. You have... A fantastic match between Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Cowboy Bob Ornan. And like I said, um, we're going to see that match pop up again in a later videotape. It will come up again. So next time around, hopefully we'll get the full uh, visual, the, the full match in its entirety. We get a good piece on the Bulldogs. We get George Steele. You know, it'll look, and it's pretty good. We get... Bruno San Martino's return, which is good. We got Bundy looking really good in the Battle Royal, which is a fantastic Battle Royal with a sort of an unexpected ending if you were not in attendance that night. So, while this is not up on the WWE Network, if you got a videotape, you know, if you got a VCR and you want to get the videotape, I recommend it. It is worth getting. So that's going to do it for this edition of Coliseum Corner. Next time around, we're going to dive into the fourth series of Coliseum videos, and it is all about the managers. As WWF's amazing managers will be the topic for the next Coliseum Corner. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of Coliseum Corner. And until next time, I am Billy Ann Covey, and this has been Coliseum Corner. Goodbye, everybody.